We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Take two to this week's episode. The first one, we had to scrap it, technical difficulties. And I blame it on the returning Andreas Hale. Two weeks off. Not a problem with the show. You come back, you ready, you hyped. You think you're going to get a goddamn it kill moment. It's not going to happen. And you bring that, that mojo into the show, we get to technical difficulties. Beyond that, though, it is nice to have you back. Yeah, um, you are the goddamn it kill moment, so this is your fault. But, um, yeah, man, it's been two weeks. Uh, week one was Sundance. I spent some time away, did some interviews, watched some movies, um, Oh, right off the bat, sorry to bother you uh, from 
the Coops Boots Riley, his directorial debut was absolutely fucking bananas. Um, but saw some great flicks. Then I came back with the flu. That's what happens when you go to Park City, Utah, in nine degree weather. Then you come back to Vegas, it's like 75. So I had the flu. And then I was down for a day, and then my wife and my daughter got the flu, which made it worse. And my daughter ran 103 fever. I had to take her to the doctor. Um, I slept for like 30 minutes a day because my wife couldn't watch it because she was down. So I couldn't, I couldn't do anything, man. So it was last week was really rough. And it was actually really scary because the flu was out here killing fools. So um, I was legit. I've never been legit frightened about anything. But uh, my daughter's life, I was scared, man. Because the doctor, you know, I had cracked a joke kind of. I was like... Well, at least she's not going to die, right? And the doctor was like, huh, huh. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> like, yo, like, nah, nah, you're supposed to laugh with me, fam. Like, <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he didn't laugh. So I was like, that's not a good sign. Um, but yeah, man, everybody's back up and running again. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time watching Combat Sports. Uh, Try to catch up on some work. Like I said, I did a lot at Sundance. Um, and yeah, back to the swingers thing. To talk this wonderful world of Combat Sports with you. I feel like there have been a lot of changes. Uh, I... Well, you know, in the UFC, there's changes every day. Now, we're going to get to that here in a second. But, you know, I got to get all your opinions on everything that happened. We still don't know how you felt about the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Meltzer rated it as his number one Rumble ever, by the way. Did he? Uh, he did. It got the highest Rumble, uh, men's Rumble rating ever. Okay. Which, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get there, too. So, uh, before we do all that, I was checking Twitter before we started the show. Why is my Twitter feed dominated by Quincy Jones? It's 2018. One, it's amazing that the guy's still alive. Two, how is he a trending topic right now? It's bananas. And I still can't wrap my head around it. Okay. Well, before we talk about Quincy Jones, we got to say happy birthday to Jay Diller, which would have been his 44th birthday. So for those who are listening, it's February 7th as we're recording this. Um, Dilla is my, one of my favorite producers of all time, and not because he's dead, because he's fucking dope, and he's always been dope, and I rode the Dilla train since Far Side's running since forever. Um, the J88 albums, uh, Slum Village, and, and on and on and on, and everything that he's done. So, um, sucks that he's gone, uh, and if, if there are any kids listening to the show, if you're in by kid, I mean, if you just turned like 20, and you don't know about Dilla, you need to go back to the catalog, because that music is timeless. Now, Onto another genius who has apparently lost his fucking mind. Um, those who aren't aware, Quincy Jones did an interview with Vulture. And basically the rundown is he called Michael Jackson a liar, said he stole his music. Uh, he said the Beatles were trash musicians. Um, let's see. He said that Marlon Brando slept with uh, Richard Pryor, Marvin Gaye, James Baldwin. Um, yeah, he said that, the Godfather. Uh, damn, what else did he say? He said, I mean, it's, it was just an interview full of wild shit. Like, he was bananas. Michael and Jackson said, was greedy. Yeah, he stole music. He, I mean, he said he, Michael Jackson was a thief and would steal people's music. I mean, Quincy Jones has always had a penchant for trash and Michael Jackson, so that I'm not really surprised about. But everything else, I mean, he said, you two sucks. He said he knows who killed JFK. Like, he's he's... He's 84, man. I mean, he's disillusioned. But the, the the problem is, is I don't know what's true and what's fake. Something is in here. There's got to be there's got to be some truth in some of these stories. Like all of it can't be fake. Well, I, I'm not going to say the JFK thing is the part that's the truth, because we know who killed JFK. So he the- says he knows who put it together. Like the Lee Harvey Oswald magic bullet has always been an issue with the JFK murders. So there's always been a question of. 
who was responsible for this. And Quincy Jones says he's already, he's always known it was a Chicago mafia. Like, duh. Like, that's how he said it. Like, and it, and he always, and <laughs> like in passing, he's just like, yeah. Yo, but if you, if you read the interview, like everything he says, he like ends it with like motherfucker or like some wild, like curse word. Like he's an old person who doesn't care. If you got old black people in your family, you understand the old people don't care and they make up stories and some of the because some of it happened in their dreams. Some of it happened in real life, but they're so fucking old. They just blend things together. Um, and that's how it usually happens. But this interview, man, I text actually I text Terrace Martin, um, who I just interviewed for that Grammy piece I did on Kendrick's album. And me and Terrace were talking and Terrace, he's working on an album with Quincy Jones as we speak. So I text Terrace. I was like, yo, you've heard these stories before? He was like, all the time. <laughs> and I, we haven't had a follow-up conversation. I won't share that information once I talk to him. But I do know, like, Terrace basically said that these stories are things that he's heard from Quincy Jones all the time. And Quincy, like, Quincy's in the studio with Terrace Martin. Like, they were in the studio, like, a couple nights ago. So, yeah, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like Quincy, Quincy really Jones. believes it. That, like, he's telling this as truth. The the Marlon Brando shit is just I I I can't wrap my head around and imagine the Godfather just blowing backs out. I don't I need mean, this. I don't I don't need these images. Now, I mean, some stuff okay, but like that, it's like come on, Quincy. Dog again, you just you don't know. Like the music industry has always been a fucked up place. Like I've spent some time working in it, but. It's different when I worked in it in New York or when I did a lot of traveling versus now I live in my bubble and do most of my, you know, stuff by phone. But when you're in the industry, like when you're in the confines of the industry, it's a very unique place where things that you don't think would be true are very true. And so I'm not saying that he's right and this actually happened, but I don't think he just made this up. You know, I I, I don't know. I don't know why he would say that. Maybe he was bullshit. Maybe he's pulling on a leg. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't just slander people, right? There has to be a shred of truth to some shit. It's just, ooh, that list of people is, is real. Damn. That Quincy, yeah, Quincy then took over the world today. And I was just like, yo, how are you just out in people's laundry? Now, a topic you missed last week was Lou Williams getting called a snitch. For saying other <laughs> by dudes Shannon <laughs> by Shannon Sharp saying other dudes have multiple women and multiple girlfriends at the same time, we just don't know about it. I feel like there's a double standard because no one's saying Quincy is snitching; they're just saying he old as hell, yeah. and he's telling more real shit and details than Lou Will did last week. Well, I mean, it's the NBA though. Like the NBA is the the land. Like all, all these people can't defend themselves that like Quincy Jones is talking about. They're all dead. They're all right. Dead, like. Yeah. The, like, Lou Williams, on the other hand, you know, somebody's at home getting a phone call like, yo, you got another girlfriend? Like, somebody's <laughs> getting that because of Lou Williams. Like, Lou, I'm not saying Lou shouldn't have said that, but he, I mean, to be so open about it means that, you know, I mean, because I've heard like, stories about NBA players, like, from people that I'm close to that I hear, like, yo, for real? Like, him? Like, yeah, you hear some all, wild shit. Yeah, so it's. Like when you airing out that laundry, and I'm sure these women are a complete dummies. Like they're here for a reason, but they're not totally stupid. So they know something's up with their man. And this guy says it, and you're like, hmm. And ain't nothing worse than coming home and your woman knows some information that you're not sure what she knows. That makes it the absolute worst. Oh, and Quincy crushed the Beatles. 
Yeah, he said they were terrible. Which is hilarious. And he, he had a story about Ringo being trash, but it's... <laughs> so, Man, it's, when you're old, like when you're old, you just don't care. Apparently, because like as I get older, I stop giving a fuck. But it not, not to these levels. These are new levels and not fuckery. But uh, but when old man Andreas is actually old, you're gonna be in your bag. You're gonna just be saying wild shit. Yeah, I probably will, man. Because I ain't got nothing to lose. I just, what you gonna do? Kill me? I'm 84 years old. I'm gonna die any day now. Like, I could die tonight. I could die 10 years from now. Who knows? So. I just might as well say it. Look at Why Billboard. Not? Billboard saying Richard Pryor's widow confirms comedian slept with Marlon Brando. Yes. I'm, you can't even let Richard Pryor live? Nah, I mean, that's just like the interview that DJ Vlad did with uh, Tupac's alleged rape victim. Like, come on, man. Like, that's that was totally unnecessary. So, like, this widow, like, she could be bitter. I mean, you, the, Richard Pryor ain't here to defend himself. It's trash. But, it's, again, it's Quincy Jones, Vulture decided to publish this interview. It was two interviews that they put together, which means there's probably a bunch of stuff on the cutting room floor that we know nothing about. But, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, you know. man. Someone needs yeah. to just, just make another one. After you see the response to this, if there's anything left on the cutting room floor, you got to put out a part two. Just yeah, because the, yeah. the clicks, the clicks alone will just go through the roof. It's bad business if you don't put out everything. At this point, because people lost their shit. And, and Quincy, let's just say he has all his faculties uh, still. I He's just wild in it. Like, just doesn't care. Ah, to be old and free. That's the way to go. Yeah. Right? Quincy's on his Vince McMahon shit right now. He's worse. I mean, yo, I... They're, again, they're both like, equally a little bit out there at this point. Like, like, I met Quincy Jones when I worked at BET, and I was supposed to do an extended interview with him. I did, like, a 10-minute interview with him. It was nothing. He didn't say nothing really crazy then. But, uh, you know, you just look at him, and he's like, you can tell he's been through everything. I mean, dude, he was there for We Are the World. Like, I'm just saying, like, everybody, just about everybody that did We Are the World are dead. And it's like, he's still here. So it's crazy. Like, he's been around the block quite a few times, so... Again, man, it's like it's it, you just don't know what's truth and what's fake because it's not all false and it's not all truth. My my brain works in mysterious ways. I just heard "All My Friends Are Dead," the little Uzi Vert song, sung in perfect harmony by Quincy Jones in my head. Mm, <laughs> like when he just came out and just remixed "Little Uzi Vert," that shit be crazy. Uh, I I digress. See, this is why you can't be on the show. You get me on a tangent. Um, Outside of Quincy Jones losing his damn mind, the UFC is going down an equal path. There's been super fights announced, super fights speculated, injuries, a ton of shit since you've been away. And it's just been two weeks. Yeah. We got to run down the entire list of changes because <laughs> I know you love them. Uh, starting with right here in our backyard, UFC 222, we get a completely different main event. Shit and co-main than we thought we had when you were leaving. And we weren't too excited about that. So now we have, in the main event, Chris Cyborg versus some chick named Konitskiawa? Konitskiawa? Listen, man, don't get me butchering people's names on here. Against some Invicta chick. She fought 135. She's moving up to 145. That is the main event of UFC 222. Who's buying a ticket to this? Um, man, I don't know, man. What no one's buying the pay per view. It's under 100k. Yo, yo, what did I say? What did I say? WME bought? 
a lemon, right? <laughs> right. They, well, yeah, they ain't even making lemonade right now. Yo, have, they haven't proven me wrong yet. Like Max Holloway goes down with an injury, and the whole world shook because you look at the rest of the car and you're like, "This is trash." Like Stefan Struve and Andre Arlovski, like what? Like and so, the the cyborg fight against a woman who lost to Tanya Evinger. Like people got to remember this. this: she lost to Tanya Evinger, who Cyborg essentially murdered in in their fight. So yes, this is a glorified Mike Tyson fight. This is like I don't even know because it's not even a world champion. Like Peter McNeely, I don't know. Like Cyborg's gonna kill this girl. Yeah, and I'm not uh, sure why Cyborg took the fight outside of why not make more money. They paid her. They they, had, they <laughs> needed her to rescue the car. They paid her. And, but, then, and, and what is this rescuing? I, I could argue that the co-main between Edgar and Ortega would do just as many buys if you threw one of the mystical fucking interim belts on it or without a belt. Nah, I don't think people buy pay-per-views because of belts. I don't think people care at all. Like, literally at all. I don't think anybody looks at a pay-per-view like, ooh, it's an interim title. I'm going to buy this for $65. Yeah. So they're not buying it for this I think fight. Cy- but I think P- Cyborg is a draw. I think people do like to watch people. There's something about her just smashing people that people will pay for. Because Cyborg Holly Holm was the third biggest UFC pay-per-view in 2017. It's not saying much because 2017 was trash, but... That was a it was a big deal and it was a very like under promoted fight it felt like. But Holly so had the Cyborg mystique of beating Ronda. Yeah, but nobody cares. It, it, but Cyborg is still she still has some pull. Like there is still something about Cyborg headlining a card because ultimately you want to headline your card with a title fight, a pay per view, and that's yeah. what the UFC is aiming to do. But this is like right. a month and a half notice. I mean, a month and a half since her last fight, three weeks notice, and pretty much. This is the equivalent of Golovkin when he used to fight in, like, Abu Dhabi and shit. Where we're like, oh, Golovkin has a fight. And you just knew he was running through someone for three months, but he did it to get paid and stay active. That's what this is. Yeah. And, uh, like, I'm not totally against this in the sense that as long as we got this Frank Yeager, Brian Ortega fight, then I'm, I'm like, okay, this card's not absolute trash. They moved uh, the Pedro Munoz, John Dotson fight to this card, which I wanted to see in the first place. So it's not the worst thing ever, but it's not a $65 pay-per-view. No, it gained depth, but it does nothing at the top. No, I mean, look, man, Cyborg Cyborg is in a division that nobody can even, like the rankings committee. They don't even have rankings. (laughs) We can't can't vote on them because it doesn't fucking exist. There's not enough people to populate the division. So Cyborg is essentially fighting in a... a, um, like, she's fighting for, like, the WBC diamond belt. Like, something that doesn't even make sense. It's just there. They just created a division for her to just beat up people. Why don't you rank bantamweights in her division? You can't. You can't be ranked in two divisions at once? No, you can only... I mean, damn, I can't give away everything about the ranks. Maybe they'll probably pull me out. But <laughs> it's basically, they give you a list of fighters who have competed in a division. If you've competed in a division, then you can be ranked in that division. Okay. So, like, Valentina Shevchenko, for instance, she didn't compete as a flyweight. Um, flyweight? Yeah. She hadn't competed as a flyweight until she murdered that girl last week. And now when she appears, now we can put her in the rankings. And so now she's ranked number one because she's going to kill everybody. But you have to at least have competed in that division or have declared a move to that division. So the, is she ranked number one already, by the way? She, I'm sure she is. I haven't even looked at the rankings. I know I ranked her as number one. Like, <laughs> who in the flyweight division is going to beat her? No, no one yet. Mackenzie like, Dern. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, nobody's beating Bullet. Bullet is going to murder everybody as a flyweight. But that's 
So essentially with Cyborg, it's like they're based, all they're doing is pulling women up and saying, hey, you want to be sacrificed? And they're like, sure, why not? And they're just getting beat up. This is where, where are you going to get them from? There are no 145 pounders. They're all in Bellator. Yeah, because Bellator pulled the trigger before UFC, which if UFC had foresight and knew they were going to do it, they should have just pulled the trigger early. But Dana White was being stubborn. Yeah, he was being a fool, man. Like, he should have known that he could have used Cyborg. And Bellator ain't doing shit else with that division either. Uh-uh. But, again, so we're just getting a glorified fight here. Uh, Frankie Edgar and Brian Ortega, T-City, I'm looking forward to that fight. That should be a really good fight. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it's the co-main. I'm glad there's no title because I don't want to see five rounds of it. But three rounds is enough. Three rounds no, I, I'm intrigued for. I, I yeah. could not watch five rounds of it. I could. I could watch five, it's five rounds. five rounds of Frankie Edgar pop-shotting Ortega and Ortega just waiting for one opportunity to wrap his ass up like a pretzel. It might be a little bit more exciting than that. But I wouldn't mind a five-round fight. I just don't want a title on the line. I don't need an interim title. Like, Holloway will be back and defending his title probably by the summer. So I, I like that fight. I'm cool with it. Um, what? A, I mean, what? A, there's so many other changes. Keep going down this list of changes so we can just All rip right. them apart. Uh, <laughs> changes. We now have well, shit. Just announcements. The hell changes. Um, we have DC versus Stipe super fight. Uh, is we, it really super? It is. It's heavyweight champion versus light heavyweight champion. Whenever you yep. have the two top divisions, yes, the, it's it's the biggest men, quote unquote, on the planet. But at least in MMA. No better question. Is it is it gonna do a ton of buys? Um. Exactly. No, you thought like, about it too long. Yeah, like, I don't know what a ton is. Can it do 700? Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I think so. They're going to stack the card, I think. So, that's so. yes, I think it can do 700. I don't, like, I don't even know if stacked card is really going to pull. But this, because this is what TJ Dillashaw is waiting for. He turned down the fight with Cody, Cody Garbrandt to fight Demetrius Johnson probably on this card. And I want to see Garbrandt versus Rivera, by the way. If that shit doesn't have UFC Chicago stamped all over it, I don't know what does. Well, that, that's a very good fight. I just I just take issue with TJ Dillashaw, and, and not in the sense that, like, I'm not necessarily mad at him for wanting to fight Demetrius Johnson. He shouldn't be allowed to fight Demetrius Johnson. There is, that's my issue. Like, once they open the door for TJ Dillashaw to fight Demetrius Johnson, he's going to take it because it's the biggest fight that yeah. he, could, he could take. But now champions but, don't have to def- fight anyone in a division. No longer do like, you have to fight contenders. Yeah, like, but the reality is TJ Dillashaw, dog, you almost got knocked out in the first round. You won by knockout. So that, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of the guy who got knocked out getting an immediate rematch, even though we're getting to see Joanna and Rose do it again. But fight Dominic Cruz. That's the person who beat you. Like, defend your title before you go into an alleged super fight with Demetrius Johnson. It, it just, now you've given this man a sense of entitlement where he can turn down fights. Yeah. Like, he shouldn't be in that position. He no, shouldn't. he doesn't sell enough. Um, he hasn't been champion for long enough. He didn't clear out the division like DJ. This is to trip up DJ more than it is to propel TJ. Yeah, like, there's You're nothing... just tired of seeing DJ win. That's the only reason to let TJ go down and try to take that belt. It makes no damn sense. We don't even know if he can make 125. Exactly. And then furthermore, like, I mean, we have they haven't even agreed that's going to be the way that's going to be fought at. But furthermore, if DJ just goes, runs roughshod over TJ Dillashaw, what does that do for TJ Dillashaw being the champ of the Bantamweight division? Kind of devalues him a little bit, doesn't it? Only it only makes sense if DJ is fighting for the 135-pound strap. 
He takes the disadvantage, but he doesn't lose his flyaway belt. He goes up, and if he wrecks TJ, then perfect. He does what DC is going to do, which immediately vacates that belt, goes back home, and says, I'm the best. That's it. Y'all keep fighting. Uh, I don't know, man. Like the, the UFC that's is all just, Cormier is going to do. It, it's in such disarray. Like the UFC is in such a disarray, and that lemon is—it's just—it's a lemon, dude. It is an absolute lemon. Everything. I'm not enthused by anything. Like, yeah, sure. This March third card, we'll be there, and I'll watch T City and Frankie Edgar, and I'll watch Cyborg kill that girl. But am I excited <laughs> about it? Like I'm not, I'm just not excited about it. And through the midst of all this, we're still waiting to see when Conor McGregor's coming back. Don't we get still, to see Mackenzie Dern on that card? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But I think I, she's like, are you like super fight. excited to see Mackenzie Dern fight? Like, I'm not th- excited. No, I just want to see what accent she has this fight. Well, yeah, she's a woman of many accents, but <laughs> I'm not necessarily excited. I just, I the UFC's just done a lot of. They just opened the door to a lot of fighters. But but not taking care of their fighters, they're allowing the fighters to run. They're allowing the inmates to run the asylum, and I mean that in a good way because the inmates should be running the asylum because the UFC treats them like shit. Dana White's out out here buying sixty five thousand dollars swords and paying fighters ten and ten. So it's like, come on, man. It's better I mean, than the alleged Bellator two fifty and two fifty. That's two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Look, man. This is this is crazy thing because you know boxing club fighters don't get a lot of money, right? They fight for like nickels and pennies before they start making the big bucks. And there's a there's a bigger gap between the top selling boxer versus the top selling UFC fighter, obviously. But like middling UFC fighters make more than club show boxers, right? But dude, two fifty and two fifty. Yo, two hundred and fifty dollars, like right now, like right now, I just give them that out of my pocket. You're like, my man, just go home. Don't get punched in the face. I got that in my bookshelf. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, like that's, 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 that's couch money. And you, I'm putting my life on the line. Like, come on. Yeah, it's, like, this shit ain't for games. Uh, anyway, keep going with this list of announced fights. <laughs> this, is, this is just bad. All right, so we think we're going to get TJ and DJ um, here in Vegas. DC and Stipe, ultimate fighter. Knock on wood. No injuries for that. Somebody's gonna get hurt, but anyway. Oh, I think that's some shit. I'm. I. I saw it. I went to like the media day the other day. I was like, it's too good to be true. Someone's getting injured, but we'll see. Um, picking up steam today. Well, we'll start with this. Nate Diaz, number one contender for Tyron Woodley. That's absolutely another fight. Setting up the Connor trilogy. That's the only reason to do it. But it's absolutely ridiculous because one, Nate Diaz is going to get murdered by Tyron Woodley. Great chance of that. Like, that's that's for starters. But for two, what has Nate Diaz done to, to take that fight? And again, another situation where Tyron Woodley, I'm mad at him for sitting out for this fight. It's the biggest money fight he can get. But is it a but money the, fight? He's not selling. It's oh, still, Nate Diaz is selling. Nate is selling. Tyron ain't selling. Like, he's, he's the B-side. He will get more. He's a champ. He'll get champ. He'll get pay-per-view points. He'll make more money fighting Nate Diaz than he'll fight uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. I bet you Nate Diaz makes more money than him that fight, though. Mm. I bet you. I mean, I'm sure the mate will negotiate it, but I mean, again, if I'm, it doesn't really matter if Tyron Woodley's not making enough now. If he can make the most money fighting Nate Diaz and build his profile, because I I guarantee you, if Tyron Woodley fights Nate Diaz, he's going to try to murder him. He's not going to sit back in like the Damian Maya fight because Nate Diaz isn't that dangerous. So yeah, you fight Nate Nate Diaz will just two piece you up. He ain't gonna knock you out necessarily. Yeah, but Tyron Woodley's got dynamite in those hands, and he's a big dude. He's a big welterweight. But 
Like, but again, it's a situation where you all, you're opening the door for Tyron Woodley to fight Nate Diaz when you should never open that door. You should force him to fight a Rafael Dos Anjos. But if you're the UFC, you should be compensating these title holders to fight number one contenders. You That's shouldn't the key. be. You got to pay yeah. them enough to fight the number one contenders where it doesn't even matter. Champions should make a mill flat, and yeah. then they'll fight whoever you want. All Look, champions I'm, should make a mill flat. You got I'm that's easy. That's light work. In boxing, yeah. that shit's light work. I mean, if I'm the champ, yeah, I should be making the lion's share of the money. But if you put me in a position where rankings don't matter, like, oh, you could fight Nate Diaz who fought Conor McGregor, who's got more pull than anybody you could possibly fight, then obviously I'm gonna take the easier fight for the most money. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the Floyd Mayweather school of thought here. I'm gonna take the 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 biggest name with the least resistance where I can make the most money. Why not? If, you, if that's the opportunity that you're going to give me, why wouldn't I turn down every other fight? Why would I fight a Rafael Dos Santos? Why would I fight somebody dangerous? If I'm Michael Bisping, why would I fight Robert Whitaker, Jacare, Romero? No, I'm going to fight the, uh, like he thought he could beat George St. Pierre, but he couldn't. But <laughs> George, he, I'll fight. George St. Pierre wants no, no, no business with any of the people you just mentioned. No, you let, like, the inmates are running the asylum. And, and this is like Oz now. Like, but they're only doing it for the money. If they just put up the money, they can still control everything. But that's they're, like the they're point. not asking for astro- astronomical amounts either. Just a mil, but, maybe a hundred. The, the the point is, is that it's called prize fighting, where my specific like I put myself in harm's way not because I like getting punched in the face, it's because I want to get paid to get punched in the face. <laughs> so if I'm fighting for money and you're not paying me what I deserve, I'm gonna find a way to get that money. And Conor McGregor taught all these fighters that there's a way to squeeze blood out of a turnip. Like Dana White was like, well, I'm not going to pay you this much. Conor found a way, and he's unlocked that door now. Now all these fighters want to get what they should be getting paid. Because the, the biggest problem is you look at boxing, you look at what boxers are making, and you know you look at what UFC fighters, and they're like, yo, we fight three times a year, and we're not even coming close to what Adrian Broner made in his last fight. And he's like mediocre. Yeah, he's, so not, even, like, he's not even selling pay-per-views. So saying, like you know, you know, Terrence Crawford doesn't draw a ton. He is the champion, but he's making you know a million and a half. Like Triple G was making what two point six, getting two hundred thousand on pay per views. It's just like two hundred thousand buys. Like you look up, you're like shit. I make two hundred thousand buys. It's it's they do it. The business has been done the wrong way, and it's finally catching up to them. You can't. This is an archaic model. Like you need to flip shit. But this is gonna burst the bubble because I think this is when you recognize. Sooner or later, you're going to run out of super fights. Of course. I mean, and, and then now what? Then everyone you gave a super fight to won and won their titles, and they got paid X umpteenth amount of money in the millions now. They're not going to drop back down. It's the same thing we saw with Connor. He's not going to drop under 15 mil. Damn near 20 ever again. It's and hard. It's impossible to tell him not to. Yeah, and then all these fighters are going to say, I'm not dropping under a mill again because I've made it. You, you set my floor now. You just have to restore order. Like ultimately what needs to happen is somebody, maybe not Dana White, but somebody there needs to say, look, we're not going to do all this jumping around bullshit. The number one contender is who you're going to fight if he's available. If he's not available, we go down the list. We're not going to let number eight fight number one. I don't give a f- I don't care who he is. Like, that should, unless he's the champion, there's no reason that any fighter from a lower weight class or a higher weight class should be fighting for the title. 
unless they fought in that division. You got to restore some kind of order. Like right? there is absolute and utter chaos. But the only way in, to do that is by bringing the money. Yeah, we agree but you, on that. Yes, you need to pay them and to fight the top contenders so these rankings make sense. Like, and you need to go down the list. Mm-hmm. Like, if number one's not available, you need to fight number two. If number two is not available, you need to fight number three. Not number seven, not number ten. Like, you need to fight the best fighters available, but you need to compensate these fighters for taking these risks. And I'm not even telling them to fight or to pay all of the fighters amazingly well. Like, listen, we'll take you just paying the champions amazingly well. And maybe if you challenge for the belt, you get a instant 500k if you are the champion you get one mil now it incentivizes everyone else to become champion so you're telling me in two fights i can go from a 50 and 50 to a mil let's get it yeah and ganu would go from whatever the hell he was getting paid to 500k in which he did as a challenger let's get it it makes people go up there and want to climb the rankings listen i'll fight number four five and six if that means my next fight is for half a mil i'll fight them for 50 so in a year i go from making 200k in four fights to 500k in one fight i'll take that and i think fighters would enjoy that just have a a a slotted structure kind of like the nba you come in as you know exactly where you're going to fit in take the guesswork out of it and then you go from there you know anyway there's Yeah, I don't, it's not that hard. I don't know what Dana White's doing or WME at this point. Listen, WME don't got a lot of years in this game. They they don't understand how it works, and this is their growing pains. You just gotta hope you don't flop while you're growing. Yeah, which, I'm sick of talking about which is rough. Um, no, we can't stop because there's more. CM Punk versus our boy, the Truth, Mike Jackson. That's that's being, rumored to happen. Being rumored. And, and report it. Why not, right? I mean, and look, cha- man. Champions has to be, listen, you're working at Champions is coming through. That video was fire made by yeah. the Champions crew. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure, why not? <laughs> you don't look, sound enthused. Uh, dude, good for Mike Jackson. Uh, I guess, I mean, you paid money to get CM Punk, so he has to fight, right? So, yeah. uh, sure, why not? And but, you have I mean, the pay-per-view card in Chicago. That'd be a great place, you know, for... You know, if whoever wins this Max or the Frankie Ortega fight, um, whoever wins that to go against Max, that'd be a great place to do it. Chicago, with CM Punk as the co-man. It's it's one of those things where it's like an exhibition fight because nobody really wants to see CM Punk fight again because he's not like remotely close to a top contender or a contender or anything of that nature. But uh, you know, what if he got good? What if he took a year and a half and is decent? Yeah, I doubt it. But uh, he's a late bloomer, man. But another <laughs> another knockout loss or submission loss sends him one step closer back to New Japan Pro Wrestling or ROH. Yeah, yeah I don't really think he's ever going to go back to pro wrestling. I think he's closing in on forty if he's not forty already. I don't think, and he's made a good amount of money. I don't think we necessarily see him go back to pro wrestling. Uh-huh. I don't think he wants to put the kind of wear and tear on his body. Yeah, but jujitsu every day getting choked the hell out is no problem, right? <laughs> like, well, I, just, I mean, it's it's a little bit easier than getting slammed around every day. But you know, I mean, you, you doing jujitsu and you're trying to be good at something versus going back to what you already know. Yeah, and I'm sure the UFC compensated him pretty well to come there. I don't think they're, you know, I don't think New Japan is going to pay that much money for CM Punk. 
That's true. Um, last one. Save the best for last. Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in the octagon. People are throwing numbers around like five hundred oh, million dollars for an MMA fight, a UFC fight, five hundred million dollars. This is not happening. You want to know why it's not happening? Like, there's there's so many things that people say. There's like, oh, it's there's there's a price tag, blah blah. blah. The most important thing to Floyd Mayweather is his legacy. Like, regardless of what people really think, because people think it's money, there is no money without that zero. His legacy is the most important thing to him. And he's made so, like, the reason why he can make money essentially doing nothing is because he's undefeated. Right? Like, his legacy means everything. For him to fight in the octagon and not only risk losing, but risking significant bodily harm would put a huge damper on his legacy. And for that reason, I don't, like, he's trolling. The reason why he's trolling is because he brings attention, because people want to see it, but I don't think he's going to give people that kind of satisfaction. Floyd Mayweather has never this, put a, this doesn't ruin his boxing legacy, though. Oh, no, I beg to differ. You go and fight in MMA, because Floyd Mayweather's legacy, yes, is, is a boxer, but if he gets beat the fuck up, and that's the lasting image of Floyd Mayweather, that's what everybody's going to remember about Floyd Mayweather. Well, just don't get knocked out, right? Go down and tap. Then no, you just say, I'm, what the hell do you expect? I don't have ground game. But his legacy is built on being unbeatable. In that's, boxing. That's like no, saying, that's like no, saying no, no, he no, plays no, no. an NBA All-Star game next weekend and no, he puts same. up one assist and goes 0 for 5. And you're like, yo, you lost this game, Floyd. Ha, ha, ha. Not, you're, you're not unbeatable. Not, like, it's not, not something he does. Not the same. Combat sports is combat sports. Basketball is basketball. Like, you go to fight somebody. That, like, if Floyd Mayweather went on to an, into an NBA game, that would, then we could be talking about something different. But Floyd would be going into a professional fight with an MMA fighter and get beat up. Like, he does, he's not going to do that. That's his legacy. Like, his legacy is bigger than boxing, as we all know. His legacy is not just what he's accomplished in the ring. It's who he is. Being undefeated, being the richest athlete in the world, like... He doesn't take any losses, and he takes great pride in that. So why would he ever step into the octagon? Like, have you ever seen Floyd Mayweather put him in a position to put himself in a position to lose? No, not in boxing, never. Why would he do it in MMA? Five hundred. Like, they don't pay him million dollars. Let's, let's say, be okay, here. let's say a two hundred million dollar one fifty range. That's what it'll take. He made it already. He's already made that kind of money. You think people don't like making it again? Like, like he doesn't want to be a billion-dollar sports figure? I don't think that Floyd Mayweather, like, uh, dude, uh, $500 million could probably get him into an octagon. But $150 million, something he's already made, he's not doing it for this money he's already made. Absolutely not. Not to take that risk. He is the this is big- the equivalent of Ali Anoki. Like, no, what's the, what's it's the- not, because Ali had lost. Floyd Mayweather has never lost, and he's made way more money than Ali ever made in his entire career in one fight. He's not putting his legacy on the line. He's not putting, he's, he's adverse to risk. Look at all of the fights that he's had. Like, granted, look, he fought Manny Pacquiao, but we can all say that he didn't fight Pacquiao when he was at his best. Ever since he fought Oscar De La Hoya, he has carefully picked his opponents. And not saying he fought the worst people. He just fought people that weren't the most dangerous. Like, he didn't fight Paul Williams. He didn't fight Antonio Margarito. 
then there are reasons why he didn't fight them. But he fight just like I said, he's going to fight for the lowest risk for the with the highest reward. And the lowest risk is very important. That's why he fought Conor McGregor. That's why he came out of retirement because there was no threat from Conor. But if you give Conor the opportunity to even you up in an MMA octagon, dude, your legacy will be tarnished if you let Conor trash you. Uh, tarnished is a weird word. It, it wouldn't add to it, right? Like I can't, I can't be stupid. It's not going to add anything. Um, no one honestly thinks he would win, right? But that's the point. Because like, you can't outpoint people for that long. It's five-minute rounds. They'll just come in and take you down. He's not a knockout puncher. So why he's not going into a fight to lose? At, especially at his age. If he was like 30, dude, he's 41. He's not going into a fight to lose and to be hurt. A man I don't, I don't think it's going to happen either. But I'm saying, like, there's, there's the money talks at the end of the day. But they're not going to pay him enough. He's going, he's going to ask for double what he got against Conor McGregor in a boxing ring for him to step out of his element into an octagon. Mm. Like, he, he, like, on top of that, if you fight in the UFC, like, you have no ownership stake. You have no promoter stake. Like, so he needs that, too. They, they, dude, there's a lot. Like, he's just not, it's just not about just the check. Giving Floyd ownership stake would be a mofo. I could see it though, but that's the only way you're gonna get that man in there. I feel and, like and that's the only way you get Connor back too. And, and is it worth giving selling the farm? Yes, the fight itself is gonna do good, but you gotta think about the future of the sport. Like that one fight's not gonna change the UFC. Just like Connor versus Floyd didn't do anything for boxing, changes nothing. It's a big fight. It makes people a lot of money in a vacuum, but in the long run, who cares? So if you mortgage your future to get Connor in there, it's like trading LeBron James right now for a rental. It's like trading LeBron James at the trade deadline from the Cavs to another team. You basically gut an entire team to get LeBron James for six months. And then you look at 2019, you're like, man, we suck. We have nobody. It's not worth it. If you're the, if you're the UFC to pay what he's going to want, it's not worth it. Connor, on the other hand, he'll continue to fight for you. Floyd's not sticking around for more than one fight. It's not worth it on either side. Just let it go. <laughs> Look at you. Came back in your rare form still. Just crushing everyone's dreams and hopes. Yeah, and the form's not rare anymore. This is commonplace. <laughs> like, <laughs> rare about this. All right, let's run down a couple of the fights on UFC 21 real quick so we can take a break and get to pro wrestling. Um, UFC 20, 221, I forgot this shit was happening before earlier today, like in all honesty. I, I had no clue that the card was happening this weekend caught me by surprise but nonetheless we're, i'm gonna watch it and i'm sure you're gonna watch it as well so let's see did you have to make betting odd picks on this by the way uh yeah but i haven't even i'm doing that tonight actually yeah, that's that's so. gonna be rough good luck with that so we have yo romero versus luke rockhold in the main event that's actually a close fight and a good fight people have been wanting this for a long time i'm going to take luke rockhold to win by decision um, yeah, I'm taking Luke. And, and the reason why I say this about Luke all the time is what I said against Weidman. Luke is the most, one of the most fluid strikers in the middleweight division. He, he easily shifts from kicks to punches, offense to defense, and he's a great grappler. Romero's very robotic. It's a five-round fight. Luke is, is pretty damn good cardio. Unless Romero catches him in the first round with a big punch, which I don't think is going to happen because Luke is taller and rangier. Well, Luke almost got should... caught by Branch, too. That gave me some trepidation. 
Yeah, but he didn't. So I'm not really <laughs> worried about it. Like, Romero's a little bit older. I think Romero's an excellent fighter. I just don't think he's got the goods to beat Luke Rocco. So I'm picking Luke Rocco here. Probably by decision, but there is a possibility that Romero can get gassed and get caught with something in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, I think Romero gasses, definitely. That's what led to my Luke by decision. But uh, I think Yoel's just such a good wrestler. It's hard to keep him down. If Luke was to beat him, I think he'd have to choke him out. And How are you going to mount you know, Yoel Romero and stop him from, you know, one, reversing it and getting top control, which is a whole big problem, or just getting out of it and standing right back up. So I'm not sure if he can keep on the ground. We saw no. you have to outpoint him kind of the way Whitaker did. Stop the takedowns, stay on your feet, stay at range, outpoint him. That's, that's what I say. He's a more fluid striker. There's more things that Luke can do on his feet than Romero can do, and that's what leads to the victory. And eventually I think Romero will gas out and he won't be able to do much. Those takedown attempts won't be much yeah. if Luke goes to the body early. Um, we have heavyweight fight, Mark Hunt, who's still fighting, versus Curtis Blades. Yeah, Curtis Blades is the favorite in this fight. Uh, Curtis has looked good with his wrestling. I mean, didn't get knocked out by Nganu, took Nganu down several times in his match, and he was still very young then. Um, but we just saw Mark Hunt beat Derek Lewis, or the ghost of Derek Lewis. I'm not sure if that was the real Derek Lewis. I don't know what the hell happened. Derek Lewis was gassed. Yeah, I'm picking Mark Hunt. Um, eh, I mean, Curtis Blades, yeah, okay. He only He's only lost to Francis Ngannou. But you look at his record, who else has he fought? Nobody. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to go with the veteran here. Um, I mean, you never know. Like, Mark Hunt is very, has a very average record over the course of his career, but I don't think Curtis's guy is going to beat him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little tough. It's a hard fight, definitely. But I think Blades tries to do what Brock Lesnar did to Mark Hunt. It's just ground him, ground him, ground him. Frustrate him. Don't even give him a chance to get up. And I like Blade's chances in that, uh, in the three-round fight. And then, let's see, what else do we have? That, anything else that really no, needs discussing? No, no, please let's move on. I don't want to tell you. That's about it. All right, so let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk pro wrestling, something else that's probably going to upset you because there's a lot of moving and shaking happening there, the Royal Rumble, which you can't be upset about. You had to have loved the Royal Rumble. Please tell me you gave it at least a B rating. Um. We'll, we'll see. When we come back from break, we'll, we'll see what old man Andreas has to say about the Rumble this year. You guys stay tuned. All right, everybody. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a hundred day period. Yeah, that's right. A hundred days. You know, like a hundred days of sleeping by, by about that time. I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to Casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo 
code the corner to save fifty dollars towards a cash purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look again, man. I like to sleep, and these things are for real. Make it happen. But now it's time to get back to talking combat sports. So stay with us. All right, we are back. It's time to hear Andreas' opinion on the Royal Rumble. Um, man, you you missed out on a good one. Good recap. First of all, the whole weekend was dope. NXT Takeover, the first five star match in the WWE since Punk Cena, and then the Rumble actually delivered. It was some quality there. Tell me that you disliked it. No, I didn't. Um, oh, I like the what? Yeah, no, I like the Royal Rumble. I thought it was one of the best book of Royal Rumbles we've had in a long time. Um, definitely better than the past ten years. Uh, the right guy won. Nakamura won. Uh, I, I think we had some good moments. The Mysterio return was great. Um, I thought it was fun to see Roman and Cena against, uh, well, who was it? Knocking who? Knocking Finn. Finn, yeah. Finn I thought went that from was fun. two to the end. Yeah, I thought that was fun. I, I mean, I thought it was a good rumble. I mean, Royal Rumbles are hard to book. I mean, they're never going to be as great as when Stone Cold was in the rumble, I think, 98. And the 2000 Royal Rumble is actually really, really good as well. Uh, but no, this was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. Meltzer put it as his number one rated Rumble. Uh, nothing beats the Ric Flair Rumble for me. But that might just be because him and Heenan and the, the Heenan commentary, that shit was just great. Yeah, I mean, the 92 Royal Rumble was, yeah, because of Flair was excellent. But uh, no, this was good, man. After several years, almost a decade of trash Royal Rumbles, this was a good one. Because they did it right. No tag teams, no fluff. Everyone was a singles wrestler. Uh, Elias was over to let him come out. They had, you know, the great spot with uh, all the NXT guys, Adam Cole and Cien Almas got some shine. It was done really well. What was your thoughts on the first Women's Royal Rumble? Um, It just kind of tells you, like, the depth of the women because some of them just aren't good. And the Royal Rumble itself, it was, yeah, the Women's Royal Rumble is kind of what I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, of course, Oscar was going to win. Um, unless Ronda Ander, which she didn't. I'm, I'm glad they saved her entrance. You know, they tried to troll everybody. They had her come out at the end. But, uh, yeah, it was all right. I mean, a lot of botches, a lot of sloppiness. Um, yeah, the, the older women almost killing themselves. Yeah, Lita didn't get enough salt in that moonsault. Like, she <laughs> almost took that L for real. But uh, it's just, you know, it's still a growing division. It's like women's MMA. Like, we're finally getting women with talent. Because, like, if you look at Asuka and how good she is compared to, like, er, like the women of yesteryear, it's like night and day. Like, Asuka, Sasha, they looked phenomenal. But, except for Sasha's kicks. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, it was like a C. It was like a C. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that good. I mean, that's even not the bad end, yet. That's not even bad. the end with like Nikki Bella, it was like, eh, really? Yeah, they like, had to let the Bella good. twins get their shine. Um, so, yeah, cool. It yeah. was all right. Same old, same old. Uh, but I did like the two people who should have won one. So that was dope. NXT, what was your thoughts on the main event? Oh, man, it was the, it was the best, and it, probably the best NXT match we've had. Um, arguably. I know the Revival and DIY was excellent. Um, I'm trying to think there was another match. It was, I mean, you go all the way back to Sami Zayn and Cesaro was great. But this was... Sami Zayn-Nock was really good. They, this was better than Sami Zayn-Nock, though. There was much more drama. Like, the end was never really in question with Nakamura and Sami Zayn. Yeah. This, on the other hand, 
there were quite a few times I thought Gargano was going to win. Pete Dunn match was um, as good as this, I thought. Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate. Ah, yeah. Well, there was Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate. Yeah, yeah. Mm, this had, I think this had more on the line. There was more history involved with this, with uh, the title, with uh, you know Andrade and Gargano being basically – I mean, uh, Gargano not being able to beat Andrade previously. Uh, there were some callbacks in this match to the, the shirt. Like, there was – this was a five-star match because the storytelling was so good. Like, Bate and Dunn was a great match – in itself and it turned out to be a great trilogy but this had so much storyline going into it and there's not a better baby face in peril than Johnny gargano right now like that guy i mean he sells out every time and johnny wrestling is remarkable and i never want to see him get up to the call up to the main roster because they won't know what to do with him there he is great where he's at well we'll talk about that in a second um but no yeah great match i agree you agree with the five star, obviously. I'm yes. still shocked that Meltzer gave it a five star. I mean, it's almost undeniable, man. I mean, this, you know, New Japan has had great matches historically, but this was like there was just there was too much to deny in this match. There was rarely a dull moment. The crowd was into it. Again, you had this excellent narrative, and you really just didn't know who's gonna win. Like, you, I was on the edge of my seat watching this match. And I was sick. I was in, laying in the bed with the flu. Like, oh, shit. Like, this was really, really well done. Gargano is just, I mean, if people aren't sold on Gargano, and god damn, as Andretti came from a long way from being a Chippendale with no real identity to being, like, this champ that another guy who I don't want to see go to the main roster. And in one year, Zelina Vega just upped his whole career. Yeah, she she helped fix him, and they took away the dumb gimmick and made it made him serious. And I think I have to give some credit because they gave him this trash. He was losing matches and playing games, and then then Vega came around and she made him serious, and then he became the champ, and then he beat Gargano clean. Like, yeah, it's kudos to the to the booking, the agents for this match. It was excellent. Everything was great. The entrance, he felt like a champion. Yeah, La coming Samba. out with the La Sombra mask and the mariachi band. I was like, they gave him the big entrance. I did not expect that. Like, you you know, you come in and the entrances should be even bigger, uh, mainly your weekend. So I can't wait to see. I, I want to see the whole Del Rio limo. <laughs> like, yeah. he's he's on that path and it's working really good for them right now. Let's see. Uh, the other thing that happened that week, Bullet Club in New Japan, Bullet Club Civil War. We, yeah. we saw Kenny Omega get turned on. Uh, by Cody Rhodes, and then we saw Kota Bushi come out to save him. What is it, Golden Lovers? Yes. And they are back in business. Uh, it's an interesting storyline to see how this plays out throughout the summer. Well, like this, like the, the Jay White-Kenny Omega match wasn't like the best match ever. But I thought it was some great storytelling because Kenny Omega was ba- essentially murdering Jay White. At a certain point, he just got overzealous and cost him the match. Um, and the, the turn with Cody and Kenny, it, 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 curious, like, where does this leave the elite? Like, where does this leave the Bucks? It seems like maybe they've all turned on Kenny, but you don't know. And with Kota Ibushi back in that little emotional moment of them having, you know, having their hug, and now now they're going to be fighting a super card of honor. Um, I mean, New Japan's they just do a great job of doing what they do. But it wasn't even the best match. The uh, Minoru Suzuki-Tanahashi match was excellent. And the Young Bucks against the RP, uh, Rapungi 3K was also very well done. That's a good match, what, three in a row for those guys? Yeah, but this was their best one. I think this was their best one yet. 
Um, this was better than the Wrestle Kingdom match. Uh, a lot. I mean, again, I think Young Bucks are they wrestle a certain style in New Japan. Like people call them spot monkeys in the states, but in New Japan they tell great stories. Yeah, they have a lot but, more psychology. Yeah, it's, they tell great stories. The injuries they they sell. Um, they're not just spot monkeys, man. These guys can wrestle. Yeah, yeah. No, that was. Uh, I agree. Great matches, and the entire weekend it just built and built and built and built. It was a great weekend for uh, pro wrestling. Hopefully, Mania weekend. We can see the same with ROH bringing in some of the New Japan talent for their show and then NXT and, of course, Mania later that day. Hopefully it doesn't disappoint. And then, um, let's see, a couple of Rick, uh, NXT call-ups. Ricochet is announced. It looks like he'll be making his debut soon. We have, who else? Uh, War Machine. War Machine and Candice LeRae. War and Machine. Don't forget EC3. Oh, shit. I forgot EC3. Um, is NXT too packed? Yes. This, this, I mean, the short answer is yes. There's, there's, no, there's way too many people on the NXT roster now. For an hour show, there are way too many people. And too now, many heels now, which is, which is a conundrum because EC3 can't be a face. Well, I mean, I don't know, necessarily know if there's too many heels, but it's just too much talent. I mean, like, try to picture NXT TakeOver – WrestleMania weekend, trying to book all this talent into a two-hour show. Yep. Five matches, right? Yeah. Like, how do you do this? I mean, now you're also, you got Candice LeRae, you got uh, Shayna Baszler, you got the women's division with Ember Moon. Um, now, you, now you have the tag team divisions is beefing up with War Machine. Now you got Ricochet. You already got Adam Cole. You already got, um, you know, one of those spots is already going to Ciampa and uh, Gargano. Gargano. So it's yep. like, where are you putting all this talent? You got to get the dream in there. Velveteen Dream has earned a spot on every card. You got Aleister Black. I mean, you know. We got to get Dream versus Ricochet, though. That's a debut match. I don't know. I I, I don't know who Ricochet should debut against. Um, I mean, Once again, you got to fit the talent together, right? So you got to put everyone there. It's just, um, it's just they have too much talent. Like, there's an overabundance of riches. And that becomes problematic because you can't book them all. Somebody's got to suffer. I mean, you still got uh, Donovan Dijak waiting in the wings to make his debut. You you recently signed Leo Rush. You still got Lars Sullivan. Like, oh yeah, Lars got, needs a spot too. Yeah, Killian, You still got Killian Dane. You still got Sanity. You still got the Authors of Pain. Like they are Chris Hero has still been putting people over. Yeah, like that's his job now, mm-hmm. and, which is fine for somebody like him. But when you got so many guys that you kind of expect to be elevated, like because you don't. This is why I said I was concerned with Ricochet getting signed. Getting signed. Ricochet, EC3, Adam Cole, Alistair Black, uh, Gargano, Ciampa, Andrade. Who are your top guys? Velveteen Dream. Like, who, where do you split? You have no mid-card. Like, unless you bring in another title, you have no mid-card. But you, but, but you have to have a mid-card. Everybody can't get the same time. Everybody can't get the same shine. So how do you manage this talent? And then, uh, obviously, you're going to have to exile some of them to 205 Live or the main roster, which... Makes it even worse for him because it's no like Roddy work. Strong is is one of those guys. So it's like there's an overabundance of riches when you mismanage those riches. And NXT is too short. And I'm not. I've always said it could be an hour and a half show, but I don't want it to be like a two or three hour show. Yeah, but not, it, not weekly. Maybe if they made the pay per view three hours instead of two. Yeah, you can do that. But it, like even still, like again, look at all this talent. You pre tape your show, right? So you have all this talent. You pre tape your shows. How do you tell all these stories going into the next pay-per-view? 
Yeah, but we said the same thing about Rumble, and then it came together, and it was great. And they made great, uh, like, vignettes and promo packages. And if no one even watched Weekly, it got you invested already. But I'm saying, like, you got more talent now. Somebody's got to suffer. Who's it going to be? That's my question. Like, who are going to be the guys that suffer? Is it, it's not going to be the Undisputed Era. Like, but that, and that's basically a tag team and another guy. So you're going to put them in a mixed tag? Like, what are you, where does War Machine fit into all this? Well, so I, like, I, I read one spoiler. I've avoided spoilers pretty well for NXT. The one spoiler that hit me kind of at least clarifies where they fit into things. So it, it's not, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just hard because somebody's got to take the L. Somebody's not going to get the proper push. Like Velveteen Dream should be getting pushed near the top of the car. But with all this talent, can you really push him? Like not EC3 really, is a, yeah. EC3 is a guy who you look at and be like, dude, that's a top guy. Like he has to it. be a top guy. He has to be like Bobby Roode when he came in, where then, it was you have no other place to put him. So then it's like okay, so EC3 is the top guy, but Adam Cole's the top guy, but Aleister Black's the top guy. Andrade's the champ. You're kind of overloaded here. Yeah, which, Andrade got to go up prematurely, probably sadly. W- which probably means that you know at, there's gonna be there's gotta be a multi man match. Yeah, but he at, didn't look out of place, by the way. Like on the main roster, Royal Rumble, if if that was a tester on how Cian Amis would do on the main roster, he did not look out of place. That's, that's he just felt wrestling. like a star. But that's just wrestling, and that's like a quarter of the story. Like the guy's gotta have a character. Well, now his character is, is pretty solid. Yeah, but are they gonna give him enough time? That's they, again, this is my concern. You put him on SmackDown, a two hour show that's already got a lot of talent. That Ty Dillinger we haven't seen. Like, Dolph Ziggler just came back. Nobody cared because they didn't do anything the following two weeks. Now he's coming back next week. So where does Andrade fit in? Wherever Randy Orton used to be. (laughs) I fucking hate Randy Orton. Uh, But you see, he's back in the the mix. Like, you got Rusev. You got the New Day. Like, there is too much talent to be able to service them all the way that you would like them to be serviced. Like, you want Ricochet to be a top guy. But it's going to be very hard for him to be a, a top guy. Yeah, hopefully with the spacing of pay-per-views now, you don't. Hopefully, SmackDown no longer feels pressure to put everyone on TV every week. Because NXT doesn't. You're on TV every other week, sometimes every third week, and they don't forget about you. They're a touring show. Like SmackDown goes on the road. People pay their money to see certain talent. So it's like yeah, that's true. Like you can't keep knockoff TV. Like you can't keep knockoff. Yeah. It's it's you're in a tough spot. Or AJ like, Styles has to wrestle every week or at least appear. He's got to be visible. Like these guys, like I didn't pay my money to go to SmackDown and not see any of them. So, but it, but you got too much talent, and you don't. I don't even think you have the strength of writers to give them all great stories. Like the one thing that I think happened in like the '90s, the late '90s, early 2000. Well, late '90s, not the early 2000s. The WWE did very well as their mid card all had great stories. Now it's like. Like even like look at Finn Balor in the Bullet Club, or the Balor Club. What are they doing? They're just kind of floating around. Well, I'm hoping they're they're transitioning into a feud with Miz and Miztourage. Like, well, I don't know, but they're Philly style really guys. You? The IC yeah, like, title, eh, maybe uh, you know the the Good Brothers maybe you know go for the tag team straps because now it seems like the whole Shield. Jason Jordan type experiment is done. We can finally put that shit to bed. It's just it's just a matter of trying to figure out where everybody goes and give them a time because WrestleMania is coming up, and nobody wants to sit through another nine hour WrestleMania. 
<laughs> like nobody wants to do that because you're going to continue to try to make sure guys like Randy Orton still get their spot, right? Yeah. So other guys are going to suffer, and somebody one of these title matches are going to be like ten minutes long. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody somebody's got to open the show. Somebody's yeah. going to get saddled with a shitty tag match. Somebody's going to be in a mixed tag like that they don't want to be in. Like scene has got to be somewhere. There's a lot to deal with. So at a certain point. I feel like the WWE's got to say, you know what? We can't sign anybody else. We got to transition all of the Mark Henrys and the Canes. We got to get them out of here so we can make room for these <laughs> Please. The new talent. Please get but them out of there. But they, they have loyalty to this older talent where yeah. they feel like, all right, Kane, you can still do something else. Yeah. Like, you call when you leave instead of them telling you when you leave, yeah, which is so, the problem. Yeah. Too much talent, man. It's just, it's just too much. Um, no, I agree with that. We kind of touched on some of the stuff. So before we get out of here, Triple H takes over 205 Live. You think he's going to change it? Man, I hope so. Um, I just really don't see how. I just want to see it taped. I want to see it just be about wrestling. Um, I think he'll do well on that part. It's just, can you, like, his guys in NXT work so well with him. Like you said, the agents, the people who book the matches, they have a great core down there. With Trip and Trips and Gorilla and then Sean and... Regal and all these guys, they work well together. Can he do that same thing on SmackDown? No, I don't I don't, I don't think, think so. Unless you bring those guys and you say, yo, every Tuesday you guys are now traveling with me, I don't think you can do it. Like, now you're going to tell Triple H to do it with the Road Dogs and, you know, the, the whole different crew. You, you can't recreate it. Sometimes you need that specific team. Yeah, I think it's really hard also is because you've already set this kind of shitty precedent where on Raw, they, they, all they do is fly around in these mixed tag matches that mean absolutely nothing. The only person who had a real story was Enzo, and now he's gone. So now Drew Gulak's your most charismatic character. Uh, but like, how many people really care about Drew Gulak that don't watch 205 Live? Yeah. So how, like, even this Cruiserweight tournament, like, why isn't this shit on Raw? Like, why isn't one of the matches on Raw and one of the matches on 205 Live? Oh, that's something. what I said last week. I was like, you know what? Have regular matches on 205, but make the tournament one match a week. The tournament is on Raw. Yeah. Because like, it'll feel like something. Yeah. It, right now, it just feels like every week when you watch Raw and you see, like, Cedric Alexander, it's like, oh, Cedric Alexander, which three guys are you tag teaming with this time? Like, it's, it's yeah. never, they don't give them enough room to breathe their own little stories. So, like, nobody really has a story. And I feel like, like Triple Gallagher. H hopefully gets back to the one-on-ones. Just put uh, a one-on-one each week on Raw and then funnel people to 205 Live. Like, they, they just have to, they kind of have to reboot this whole thing. Um, and it's really hard to do when it's a weekly show. But it's, it needs to be integrated into Raw. Yeah. And not really be its own show. Um, but even if it, like, it would be great if they had a 205 Live challenge. Like, the, like the U.S. title challenge. But for the cruiserweight belt, and random people from the roster came and answered the call uh, on Monday I mean, Night I, Raw. I don't even know if that's the answer. Like I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think that NXT has a lot of guys that you could put on 205. But then you don't want to make 205 like NXT. Like these shows have to all different, be different from each other. Um, and I don't know how you do that. Like you had something great with the cruiserweight classic, and then you just. Vince didn't know what the hell he was doing with these little people flying around. So that's uh, all they did each week was they flew around. And he was like, yeah, Enzo. Enzo will be the Band-Aid. And Enzo goes and rapes somebody. And well, he's not the Band-Aid anymore. He's fired. Yeah. So, like, you, you just you really, 
you're stuck. And you don't want Triple H to take his attention away from what the great job that he and his team have done in NXT to try to rehab 205 Live. 205 is going to die. Let's just be honest. It's going to be the ECW of, of their, these brands. It's going to die. Yeah. It's not going to Then, yeah, I don't know what to do then. Then, then that's tough. Because, yeah, if it dies, then what do you do? Just add the extra hour to NXT and say, fuck it. We're just going to absorb who we want from there. Some people go to the main roster. Some people come back down to NXT. And NXT is two hours now. And we're just a full-on-ass brand. I mean, unless you, like, unless you get – because you can't send somebody like Finn Balor to 205. You could try to send somebody like Rey Mysterio, but then you need to sign Neville as well. You need to get him back in. The yeah, and I would think Trips makes that call. That has to be one of his first calls. With this tournament, Neville has to be one of the surprises. Yeah, like if you have Neville and Mysterio and then like Roddy Strong like, and Atami, like you can figure some things out, but still, you have to find a way to make this show different from what's being done on NXT. And it's, al- it's almost impossible because there's only so many things you can do to differentiate your show. Because they've like stereotyped it already. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you got to work backwards now, and they kind of fucked it up for you already. Like yeah. the purple belt, the purple ropes, all that shit looks stupid now. Yeah, like it, you you have to reboot the title. You have to make it black, just a normal ass title now. The all the purple nonchalant, get all that shit out of here. Make it look like a real indie style wrestling show, kind of like NXT. It's just dark. Like it's like yeah. yo, this shit's really just about wrestling. It should, again, it just can't be NXT. So I don't know, man. Uh, good luck to two hundred five and Triple H, but. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard know. to see. It's it's an upward battle for him. Um, yeah, man, that's our show. It was quick. You came back. One, two, three. Got past the technical difficulties. Uh, we rocked out on the show. You crushed a few things in the UFC. Came back. You were very cheery during this wrestling segment. And uh, we get to see what happens at UFC this weekend. And next week, we kind of get the previews for the Elimination Chamber. Talk some boxing that finally get into swing. And uh, kind of get back to what we do. Next week, we'll bring a guest on the show. Uh, AJ Springer, group chat member, of course. We're just rolling our entire group chat through this shit, too. So, listen, you guys can get to know the whole crew by the time these this uh, mania, mania season is up. You guys are going to know all of us. And, uh, yeah, so that that's going to be good. Next week should be a good show. I know some more craziness is going to pop up for us to talk about in the beginning of the show. So, it was great to have you back. Make sure yeah. you and the fam stay healthy. I'm going to try to. Look, I just hope that y'all trust me like the Eagles tr- trust Nick Foles. I'll do it special. That's, that's, if you guys trust me that much, I'll stay here. I'll be back every week. Next week, we'll have a great show for you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you follow us on social media, at The Corner LSN on all platforms, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hill. That was our show. Damn, it went quick. For now, though, we're out. Peace. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.